Passionate DJ Podcast, where it's all about becoming a better DJ through passion and purpose. And now, your host, David Michael. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome again to the Passionate DJ Podcast. I'm your host, David Michael, and I am here with nobody. That's right. This is an old school kind of OG solo show, just like the good old days. So those of you who are uh, listeners to the podcast know that we typically have a whole group of co-hosts here who record the, the podcast with me. We've got Trip Turlington, who is my co-host and audio engineer. We have Tony DeSero, who's my co-host and sort of public outreach type guy. And then, of course, Mo Dingo, who is a head of our ambassador program. And they've all just been doing their parts to make this a better show. And I'm super thankful for all that they do. Uh, it's It's been an extremely helpful thing to have these guys on the team. You know, back in the day when I was doing these all solo, it was, uh, you know, I would come up with a concept, record a show, hyper edit that show cut out all the ums and ahs and you knows and all that kind of stuff and then process it and then publish it and then write the show notes and do the whole thing and it was all on me and it just got to be so much that we couldn't or that I couldn't come out with a weekly show and I wanted this to become a weekly show and these guys have all brought their amazing talents to the table and uh, it's pretty cool you know I can sit here and record the show now and then I can hey watch this hey trip Drop in uh, an awesome DJ siren sound right here. Look, that was like magic. I didn't even have to do anything. I just sat here and waited for it. So that's that's awesome. That's Tripp's job is to drop in siren sounds in post, which I hope he did because otherwise there's just going to be awkward silence there. <laughs> uh, speaking of Trip, if you listened to last week's episode, which was the uh, 2017 New Year's episode, all the music that you heard there, in case you missed it, all that music was Trip Turlington original productions. Uh, some were remixes and some were, you know, fully original. Really talented guy. You guys should go check him out on a SoundCloud and uh, support that stuff. You know, he does a lot of cool glitch hop and techno and drum and bass, and he's all over the place, but just always has a, a cool sound to it and appreciate his adding his flavor to that episode. Got a couple of quick news items here. Now, this one comes from digitaldjtips.com, and it's Megaseg becomes the first DJ app to play Apple Music tracks from iTunes. Now, this is a sort of lesser-known DJ app for Mac that I'd never even heard of before now. And it says it's become the first DJ app that lets you DJ with all your music in iTunes, whether that's your own music files or music you've added to your library as part of an Apple Music subscription. This development blurs to the point of it not mattering the distinction between music you own and music you effectively rent via Apple Music, or at least for Megaseg users who want to manage their music in iTunes. So if you are an Apple Music user and you want, or an iTunes, if you use iTunes to manage your DJ library, uh, it might be interesting for you to check out if you're a Mac user. Um, I'm not really familiar with the software, but it looks pretty interesting, so um, I'm always interested to share software updates and things that are uh, integrating various technologies to make people's lives easier for however they manage their music collection. So, Megaseg, that's M-E-G-A-S-E-G. Next up, this comes from Dancing Astronaut. 
James Vanderbeek is to star as Diplo in the new Viceland series, What Would Diplo Do? Weird. Diplo's knack for expanding his brand across different forms of media is as strong as his proclivity for exploring diverse genres. From TV commercials to his immensely active social media presence, the dance music magnet leaves no cultural stone unturned. Now it seems that Diplo has set his sights on a new frontier, syndicated television. Viceland has ordered six pilot episodes of What Would Diplo Do? A scripted, comedic take on the prolific producer's outlandish lifestyle, starring James Vanderbeek in the title role. The series was inspired by a mad decent promo film called A Day in the Life, and the network surprised the team with a pitch for a series. All the parties were quick to jump on board. And in addition to assuming the starring role, Vanderbeek will serve as a showrunner and an executive producer alongside Diplo. And uh, Kevin Ksatsu, not sure, K-S-A-T-S-U, and director Brandon Dermer. Though the show will be fully scripted, there will be room for improv within the creative team. Both Vanderbeek and Diplo are known for their self-deprecating meta-humor, and the show will likely feature much of the same. Some interesting marketing use there. I'm not sure how that's going to turn out, but fascinating. Now the next thing I want to talk about, there was a bit of a hubbub kind of stirred up because of some things that Techniques, or more specifically Panasonic, has said about their new uh, release of the 1200 turntable. This comes from DJ Tech Tools. There's no doubt that DJs and hip-hop culture created a fanatical obsession and reverence for the legendary Techniques SL1200 turntable. When a relaunch was announced for the record player's 50th anniversary, DJs balked at the massive price tag. Revealed in a New York Times article this week is the truth. Techniques doesn't seem to think that DJs are worth marketing to. When Panasonic announced at CES almost one year ago that the legendary 1200 was being resurrected, DJs went nuts. It seemed a sure sign that the company had heard the requests of thousands of DJs who wanted the return of the turntable after the last model went out of production in 2012. But the reality of the redesign and relaunch was that Panasonic wanted to sell their turntable to an entirely different class of consumer. It's an incredibly boutique, small-run product, as the New York Times notes in their article. Quote, Only 20 turntables are assembled a day, with most of the work being done by hand. Each unit's record platter is checked by lasers and human workers to ensure perfect balance. A specially developed machine drills tiny holes at strategic points in the undersides until they spin just right. These days, such deliberately crafted products are simply too costly to compete for a mass market. This intense and slow manufacturing process guaranteed that the price would be well beyond the original techniques. At the current price of $2,800, a pair for DJing would cost DJs $5,600. It's almost painful to read, but techniques leaders simply don't care about DJs as a target market. In fact, they find them, quote, problematic. Here's another quote from within the New York Times. Our concept is analog records for hi-fi listening, said Hiro Morishita, creative director at Techniques. DJs are fine, too, but as a marketing target, it's problematic. We don't want to sell the 1200 as the best tool for DJing. The 1200 is the 1200. It's pretty fascinating to hear, straight from the horse's mouth, Panasonic is saying, hey, this is not a DJ turntable. It was never a DJ turntable, and we're targeting 
a hi-fi, older, more lucrative audience. And it kind of gives some credence to some comments that we've heard DJ Jazzy Jeff say about, and I think we brought this up on the show you know, several episodes ago, about how Techniques never really cared about the DJ market, and it seemed to be a bit of a one-way relationship. It's also fascinating that they don't seem to want to tap into the market that really brought them to the forefront of popularity. Finally, this comes from MagneticMag.com, and this is about Coachella and its owner, who is being accused of anti-LGBTQ and anti-climate comments. Coachella is undeniably one of the biggest festivals in the world, and it's usually seen as the event that launches festival season. Yesterday, the spectacular lineup was announced, which includes Beyonce, Kendrick Lamar, Marcel Detman, New Order, Loco Dice. Uh, I saw this lineup fly past my newsfeed the other day, and it really is pretty impressive. There's uh, quite a broad you know, swath of different types of artists which are being represented there, including, you know, some more undergroundish kind of electronic artists all the way up to Beyonce, uh, which is kind of interesting to see as we've talked about the past week or two, you know, especially with Tony bringing this up as far as changes to festival culture going forward into 2017, how there's going to be a lot more of this diversification and as soon as he said that, I saw this lineup for Coachella come up found it pretty interesting. With that being said, reports also began to come out, pointing to a Washington Post article that highlighted Phil Anschutz, the owner of AEG and a massive supporter of an organization called the Alliance Defending Freedom Campaign, an organization sponsoring over 200 anti-LGBT bills in 34 states, including 17 bills that specifically target transgender Americans. Washington Post further explains that he is also funding extremist anti-gay, anti-transgender, anti-abortion groups such as the Family Research Council and the National Christian Foundation. On top of that, has been pointed out by Greenpeace for making his fortune in the fossil fuel industry, the major financiers for organizations. So looks like uh, he might be stepping into some dangerous territory with Coachella, especially at a large music festival, which is going to be attended by such, you know, broad categories of people to take such hard lines on that. It does not seem like it could bode well for Coachella. It'd be interesting to follow that story as it develops. Is Denon the future of professional DJ performance? Now, unless you've been sleeping under a rock, you've probably noticed that Denon recently announced a whole new line of gear under the name of Prime, uh, headed up by the SC5000 multiplayer. Uh, they're calling it a professional DJ media player with 7-inch multi-touch display, and they are basically going head-to-head with Pioneer with this setup, it would seem. This new media player is a really pretty nice CDJ replacement with a 7-inch multi-touch display. And this comes directly from DenonDJ.com. The Denon DJ SC5000 Prime represents a real paradigm shift in DJ technology right here, right now. This groundbreaking digital DJ media player has a high-definition, high-contrast display that enables multi-touch gestures for the ultimate in latency-free, tactile track navigation, load, and playback. The SC5000 is also the world's first DJ player capable of onboard music file analysis, really empowering you with its innovative dual-layer deck capability and an 8-inch rugged jog wheel with central display 
that displays either the current playing track or custom artwork. So let me just rattle off a few of the features here. Of course, we have the 7-inch HD display with multi-touch gestures, which is a slight step up from the uh, basic uh, you know, single-touch kind of uh, interaction that you get with a CDJ2000 Nexus. It's got 24-bit, 96 kilohertz digital audio outputs. Dual layer playback with individual audio outputs. This is probably the coolest feature to me. These are literally, they're calling them dual layer players. And what that means is, um, if you've ever used a DJ controller like, uh, for instance, my Control S8, you can switch, you know, one side, there's a deck button, and you can switch between, you know, decks A and B and decks C and D on either side so that you can use those controls for that same virtual deck. This is an actual hardware player that will do that and will play standalone with two distinct audio outputs on one device so you can effectively do four deck mixing with two players. That is a pretty neat innovation from Denon. Uh, it plays uncompressed audio formats like FLAC and WAVE. They have eight trigger pads down at the bottom that you can use for cues, loops, slices, and rolls. The 8-inch rugged metal jog wheel with a central display that shows the artwork there right in the middle where you would see the, uh, the transport ring on a CDJ. Has a customizable RGB color around the jog wheel. Three USB and one SD input for music playback. And of course, LAN output to link up to four players similar to the Pioneer DJ Ethernet link that you can do now. Um, alongside of the player, they've also released a mixer to go along with it. It's the X1800 Prime. Really nice looking piece. It's a professional four-channel DJ club mixer. This again comes from DenonDJ.com. The very centerpiece of the Denon DJ Prime series of products, the X1800 is a four-channel pro DJ club mixer, familiar in layout, but with new and exciting features to transport you to your next level of live performance. The X1800 Prime brings dedicated sweep and BPM FX controls, delivers multi-themed effects for each channel, giving you even more performance options to craft that unique sound. Why not add another dimension to how you utilize EQ in the DJ booth? Fire up the X1800's choice of classic or isolation styles, then ramp up the sonic creativity with frequency-controlled band isolation too. So that's a whole lot of uh, sales copy there, so let me read off some features to you. Uh, BPM effects section with frequency-controlled band isolation. So um, you can switch between a standard EQ and an isolator EQ right on the board. Uh, you might want to go ahead and Google that. We won't get into the differences between those, but uh, we've talked about doing a, an entire episode dedicated to EQ, so I'm sure we'll be talking about that in the future. It does carry on the trend of dual USB connections so that you can do easy switchovers between DJs uh, using laptops. Dedicated sweep and BPM effects knobs, so that's basically uh, kind of like Pioneer's color effects where it's single knob turn effects that you can do on each channel. It uses the engine connect protocol for beat grid locked effects. So what that means is, and we're gonna get into this in a moment, Denon is using a system called engine, which is kind of like Rekordbox DJ, and this is how Denon keeps track of their beat grids and tempo and all that. And so if you have all of these Denon items locked together, not only can you sync all your tracks and everything, but your effects and all that stuff will be locked to your beat grid in perfect time. 
You can connect MIDI-based effects and instruments. It, of course, has 24-bit, 96 kilohertz, all that you know, high-end quality audio output. A crisp OLED screen for precise menu-based adjustments. And then, of course, the LAN hub for connecting up to four players or accessories. It's really a pretty nice-looking unit, and anybody who's familiar with a Pioneer-type mixer will be pretty much at home with this mixer. Now getting to the Engine Prime stuff, this is Denon's music management software. Looks very similar to Rekordbox uh, from DenonDJ.com. Entirely new and written from the ground up, Engine Prime is music analysis and management software for optimizing your music library, file navigation, and playback experience on Denon DJ's SC5000 Prime Media players. Supporting both Mac and Windows operating systems, Engine Prime is power-packed for fast and easy database creation, full integration with iTunes and Serato DJ collections, which is pretty cool, plus advanced track editing and performance customization, full support as well for all popular compressed and lossless music file formats, including FLAC. Now, that's pretty cool that you can import your iTunes or Serato collections that you have existing already. No word yet on us tractor guys, but I have read that the players themselves are supposed to support Serato and Tractor in the future. I don't think they do at launch. Um, I would not expect them to support anything record box, but uh, just because this is pretty much direct competition with Pioneer. But as far as being able to control probably an HID mode, kind of like how sometimes when I play in the club, I'll bring my laptop with Tractor and plug into the Pioneer setup you know cdj 2000s the nexus setup and i can control everything you know in my tractor software on the pioneer hardware uh, this should in the future probably with an update allow you to do that just rattling off a couple features advanced and accurate beat grid and musical key analysis uh, you can create play playlists and crates hot cues sync ongoing dj performance data easily back to the engine prime application Advanced onboard beat grid and tempo editor. Let's see, tricolored track waveform production. So, I mean, it's really this whole digital setup is really just direct competition with Pioneer's Record Box and Nexus setup. That covers all the digital stuff, but uh, not to leave any stone unturned, they also have the VL12 Prime, which is a professional direct drive DJ turntable which is really nice. It's got everything that you would expect. You might compare it to, you know, Pioneer's <laughs> turntable as well. A uh, few different little differences. There are, uh, it has a, you know, LED light ring with an adjustable color just for some aesthetics. Isolation feet eliminate unwanted vibration and feedback. They claim it's highest in industry, torque, and it's actually an adjustable torque setting, so you can turn it on high or low for more stability, I suppose. An isolated motor design for an optimal signal-to-noise ratio and, and so on. It gets you know pretty geeky beyond that, but it does have an adjustable pitch range, so you can go plus or minus 8, 16, or 50% on your pitch. And it does have a typical three-prong plug that you might plug into the back of a desktop PC, which is pretty nice because it's detachable, but surprisingly it does have a ground peg. They are not internally grounded. Uh, so not sure why they went with that choice, but all in all, this whole Prime setup is actually really nice. Price-wise, the mixer sells for $1,800, and the SC5000 player sells for about the same. 
So it comes in at not quite as high a price as a record box or a, excuse me, as a Nexus setup cuts them under, you know, kind of above the mid-grade <laughs> Nexus stuff, but below the 2000 Nexus. So I'm sure that when I get back together with the guys, we're going to have a little chat about this. The thing is, especially the SC5000 player, it might actually be a better unit than the CDJ2000 Nexus, especially with that dual layer stuff. I mean, that's that's pretty cool for a standalone player. That's the first time I've ever seen that. I don't think that the problem is going to be with the technology or the build quality or anything like that. You know, Denon's not, it's not Denon's first rodeo here. Uh, they know what they're doing. They know how to create a great product. And, and back in the day, um, you know, this is something that I mentioned to the guys when it first popped up in all of our news feeds. Denon used to be the only other uh, player in the market that I would consider as a CDJ replacement back when, you know, CDJs basically just played CDs. Um, they came out with a great line of CD players back in the day that were comparable and highly respected. But Denon is coming in here at, at a difficult market point here, and they're hitting the ground running with this hashtag change your rider. And I think that the problem, like I said, is not going to be technological. It's going to be psychological, and it's going to be the establishment. I mean, you're you're coming against a very, very established player in the DJ booth, and there, it seems highly unlikely that there's going to be this mass migration off of, say, record box. The, you know, the problem is not the hardware. The problem is the ecosystem. Everybody's, you know, very invested in Pioneer if they're using those setups by now. So it's very interesting and exciting to see. And these would make great home players. They would make great club and festival players. I mean, they're super nice, high contrast, easy to see, great features. Uh, they look nice. They're very well thought out. Everything is well integrated and works together. But can it compete with Pioneer DJ? I just don't know. But what I can say is whether it's Denon or Pioneer, innovation like this is sure to influence the next generation of DJ players. Okay, moving into our main topic today. Now those of you who've been following Passionate DJ for a while know that I've been, you know, I'm generally pretty transparent about what's going on with Passionate DJ and, and how we operate, and it's just something I like to talk about with you guys. And one thing that I've been doing is sort of revamping all our written content, pulling pieces of old articles and combining them and editing them, making them better, or repurposing them, cannibalizing them in some way. Today's episode is sort of a result of that, um, I've got two old articles which I've sort of pulled this episode together from, and so today's topic comes as a result of two different articles which had previously been published, and I want to talk about today's main topic, Restraint and Patience, the DJ's Lost Virtues, and I hope you enjoy. We live in a world of instant gratification. Everything we do is now, now, now. And anything that doesn't deliver instant gratification is pushed off to the wayside. It wasn't all that long ago that a cross-country trip would take years if you were lucky enough to make it. Now, we get irritated if we get held up an extra 20 minutes for our four-hour flight. Oh, how quickly we gain a sense of entitlement. You used to have to go to this place called a record store and search through crates or shelves of music, 
buy it, and bring it home. Then that wasn't fast enough, so services started sending you 10 or 15 CDs at a time for you to evaluate, and they came right to your doorstep. But that wasn't fast enough, so then 56K modems and services like Napster came around and so on. I think you get the point. Louis C.K. used to do this great bit a few years back, and he did this on his HBO special, I believe, where he talks about the sense of instant gratification and entitlement that runs rampant in our society today. I'm going to play a clip from that bit, which comes from the Conan show. When I read things like the foundations of capitalism are shattering, I'm like, maybe we need that. Maybe we need some time where we're walking around with a donkey with pots clanging on the sides. You, you think know? that would just bring us back to reality? Yeah, because everything is amazing right now, and nobody's happy. Like, in my lifetime, the changes in the world have been incredible. When I was a kid, we had a rotary phone. We had a phone that you had to stand next to, and you had to dial it. Yes. You don't you realize how primitive... You're making sparks <laughs> in a phone, and you actually would hate people with zeros in their numbers because it was more... It was right. Like, oh, this guy's got two zeros. Screw that guy. Why do I want to... Yeah. And then if, you, if they called and you weren't home, the phone would just ring lonely by itself. And then if you wanted money, you had to go in the bank for when yes. it was open for like three hours. You had to stand in line, write yourself a check like an idiot. And then when you ran out of money, you'd just go, well, I can't do any more things now. <laughs> right. I can't do any more That's things. That's it, yeah. That was it. And even if you had a credit card... They'd, the guy would go, ugh, and he'd bring out this whole shunk, shunk, and he'd write, yes. oh, you'd have to call the president to see if you have any money. And it's all true, kids. You code. had to call the president, yeah. It was ridiculous. Yes. Do you feel that we now, in the 21st century, we take technology for granted? Well, yeah, because now we live in an, in an amazing, amazing world, and it's wasted on the, on the crappiest generation of just spoiled idiots that don't care, because this is what people are like now. They got their phone, and they're like, ugh. It won't... Give it a second! Give... It's going to space. Can you give it a second to get back from space? Is the speed of light too slow for you? Yeah. Yeah. I was, on a, I was on an airplane, and there was internet, high-speed internet on the airplane. That's yes. the newest thing that I know exists. And I'm sitting on the plane, and they go, open up your laptop, you can go on the internet. And it's fast, and I'm watching YouTube clips. It's am I'm in an airplane. And then it breaks down, and they apologize. The internet's not working. The guy next to me goes, this is bullshit. <laughs> like, how quickly the world owes him something yes. he knew existed only 10 seconds ago. Right. Right. And on planes... I mean... Flying is the worst one, because people come back from flights, and they tell you their story. And it's like a horror story. It's they act like their flight was like a cattle car in the 40s in Germany. That's yeah. how bad they make it sound. Right. They're like, it was the worst day of my life. First of all, we didn't board for 20 minutes. Right. And then we get on the plane, and they made us sit there on the runway for 40 minutes. We had to sit there. Oh, really? What happened next? Did you fly through the air incredibly like a bird? Did you partake in the miracle of human flight, you non-contributing zero, that you got to fly? You're flying! It's amazing! Everybody on every plane should just constantly be going, oh, my God! Wow! Yes! You're flying! You're... 
You're sitting in a chair in the sky. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's right. Now, now, Louis. But, but it doesn't. It doesn't go back a lot. <laughs> and it's, and it's not really. Little... You know, here's the thing. People like they say there's delays on flights. Delays yeah. really. New York to California in five hours. That used to take 30 years <laughs> to do that. And a bunch of you would die on the way there and have a baby. You'd be a whole different group of people by the time you got there. <laughs> now you watch a movie and you take a dump in your home. Yeah. Well, well, nicer way to say it than that, but yeah. No. Technology has done great things for us, but it has also made us impatient. And like many things, this has affected the way many people approach DJing. Because of things like tempo sync buttons and digital music distribution, legal or otherwise, and ultra-portable, all-in-one DJ solutions, it's super easy to get started in the realm of DJing without, quote, putting in your time in the way many people once had to. The benefits are obvious. Some of the barriers of entry have been broken down, and many more people have discovered something that they love, which they may not have otherwise done. Now, this is true of many crafts, like photographers, designers, producers, etc. But what are the negative effects of having such accessibility within the DJing world? What areas does it affect and why? One is with the warm-up DJ, or as I refer to it, the lukewarm-up DJ. This one is not necessarily due to any recent technological advances. It's probably always been a problem. However, this problem is magnified by the simple fact that Everyone and their brother is a DJ who is willing to play for free for exposure. The warm-up DJ has a very specific and seemingly obvious job. He's supposed to prepare the room for the headliner, akin to a local band opening for a national act. When we're talking about nightclubs, he or she is supposed to start getting people interested in what the night will have to offer. The problem is, today's typical warm-up DJ is more concerned about rocking out than supporting the night as a whole. They want to play all their banger tracks in the hour or two that they've been given in order to impress whomever may be listening. But the funny thing is, I, along with many DJs and promoters with much more experience than me, are rarely impressed by someone who goes all out to a room of people who are not quite ready to dance yet. This DJ is impatient in two distinct ways. First, he's advancing the energy of the night too quickly. How can you find room to ebb and flow when you're already starting at 10? Secondly, many of them are simply not willing to put the time into their overall DJ career. In other words, they want to be a superstar without merit. Non-headlining DJs need to build anticipation for the rest of the night. If it's a packed room and the crowd's ready, it's important to give them a little what they want. But don't build the energy higher than the crowd's ready for. Exercise patience as a DJ, and your audience is sure to follow. Note that that's distinctly different from boring them. Now, promoters are to blame, too. Oh, yes, you can't put all the complaints toward the DJ. Promoters, and in this context that means whoever has organized and advertised the event in question, are the ones in charge for putting all the puzzle pieces into place. Just as DJs should be curators of music, promoters should be curators of entertainment. Many younger promoters are guilty of trying to jump on whatever trends are hot that particular week and run with it. 
most of them take a half-assed approach because they think jumping on the latest bandwagon is all they need to do to sustain an audience. This is why most club nights seem fairly watered down. A good promoter knows how to pick and choose their DJ lineup, not just because of what genre that DJ is known for, but because they know that their values line up. It's not always the case that well-established promoters will only book well-established DJs. Perhaps it's more accurate to say that they will only book DJs who have proven to them that they know how the timeline of a successful night should look. The best way that I know how to describe 99% of today's DJs and promoters is lazy and functional. You can't throw a stone without hitting a DJ in the head who is able to mix two tracks together without train wrecking. But think of it this way. You also can't throw a stone without hitting someone in the head that knows how to cook something edible. Does that mean there's no such thing as a good chef? It all comes down to how passionate you really are about this whole thing. Are you satisfied with relying on the function provided to you by today's technology? Or do you demand more? Wouldn't you rather know more about the psychology involved? Wouldn't you rather know what makes people tick in the club or at your special event? Wouldn't you rather engage with an audience on some sort of human level, rather than just telling a computer or a piece of hardware what to do next? Today's technology is already perfectly capable of stringing together a list of songs with gapless playback and perfectly in sync. Give your crowd a reason to have you as their selector. If you're already here listening to this podcast, it's likely that you're already interested in being more than just someone who presses play. And you owe it to your audience, whether you have one now or you want one in the future, to be the best DJ that you can be. That's how to stand out in today's sea of noise. Put in your time, perform your craft with conviction, and be patient. It's not the only way, just the best one. Now on the topic of restraint. You ever see those prison shows where they show the weapons that people make out of toilet paper or a spoon? They've learned to make do with what they've got. It really puts some perspective on how to focus on what's truly necessary to accomplish a goal. Now, obviously, I'm not suggesting that you go out and shank somebody, nor am I comparing a nightclub or a wedding reception to a prison yard. But if you focus on being creative instead of on what kind of gear you have, you'll be amazed at what you can do or make with just a little. Most of us internet-savvy DJ and producer types are quite familiar with the idea of what they call RGAS, or Rapid Gear Acquisition Syndrome. Sometimes, part of the fun of being a performer in the digital age is the fact that fun new pieces of gear are coming out all the time, and sometimes they're actually affordable. We all like our toys, and that's fine. But if you have an audience, consider the following question before clicking the Buy Now button. What problem am I solving by buying this new item? If the answer is to keep my sets from being so boring, it's highly likely that you're already doing it wrong. If you're unable to hold people's attention on a dance floor using nothing but a no-frills DJ controller or a pair of turntables and a bare-bones mixer, you're probably only going to annoy them when you try to make up for it with overused tricks, gimmicks, or effects. Don't polish a turd. Consider fixing your boring sets before adding gear. Throwing hardware at it won't fix that problem. Suggestion. Embrace constraints. Writers have been using intentional constraints for hundreds of years to great effect. 
haiku, limericks, sonnets, all have strict rules that lead to very creative results. Good writers find that forcing themselves to use simple, clear language helps to deliver maximum impact. Twitter is based entirely around the philosophy of less is more. Focus on what you want to say and the most direct and impactful way to say it. After all, you only have 140 characters to do so. Or, in the case of a DJ set, an hour or however long your time slot is. Now, before you start singing the blues about how you don't have enough music or good enough hardware or a big enough following, try shifting your perspective. DJing should always be about using what you've got to provide the best enjoyment and entertainment value for yourself and your audience. Try to see how far you can get with what you have. Adding something is easy, but adding value is hard. Don't put ketchup on a steak, make a better steak. Sometimes the things that you think are adding value, like overuse of effects and filters, or looping 12 tracks on top of each other, or bringing three additional laptops to the booth, are really just subtracting from it. Good DJs shine on after gimmicks fade. It's the people who understand the cases in which less is more applies that will shine on through the fads and trickery and be able to be called good DJs. In today's digitally influenced world of sync and quantize and feature-rich software and affordable hardware, it's easy to want to cram as much sampling, finger-drumming, knob-twisting action into a set as you can. In my opinion, Today's DJ struggles with wanting to feel legitimate, being that software does a lot of the work for them. But the things that make for a good DJ have stood the test of time, regardless of technological innovation. The ability to read and react to a crowd, the ability to play the right tracks at the right time, and the ability to tell a story through the presentation of recorded music. How do you provide actual value as a DJ? And could you still do it if all you had was two CD players and a crossfader? Thanks for listening to the Passionate DJ Podcast at www.passionatedj.com. Check out the fan page at facebook.com slash passionatedj or on Twitter at DJ With Passion. And always remember to keep on spinning.